Hello and welcome to episode 7 of The Wind Thieved Hat. This week's guest began his career as a designer and artist, but his practice today is wide-ranging and defies an easy description. I can say, though, that he's one of the most inspiring people I've ever met, and the only person I've interviewed ever to have held the floor at the United Nations. He is Dominic Wilcox. Our conversation covers where ideas come from and how to find them. We talk about how creativity helped Dominic deal with his shyness, and we find out why he's desperately serious about playfulness. There are, I'm sorry to say, a couple of hitches in the recording. I sound a little fuzzy as my mic was malfunctioning, and the last two minutes or so are a little bit quiet, but Dominic is crystal clear throughout. Sound quality aside, it's a good one, this, I think. Hope you enjoy it. Dominic. Hello there. Welcome. Hello Richard. It's yeah. nice to have you here. I, on the podcast so far I've had a writer and I've had a photographer and I've even had a poet but I'm not quite sure how we'd define you. What, what would you, uh, what's the best way of summing you up would you say? Well let's just leave it at that. <laughs> uh, I like it that way. Yeah. You know these categories that we've got from our history growing up we learn the words and then we we, we, we get an understanding of what we think an artist is or a designer or an inventor or a whatever. And, and, and I don't know, I've, I don't know whether there's a rebellious inner spirit. And I think there is in all creative people, I think creativity is a sort of rebellious act. But I like to avoid the definitions but it's very difficult because I do, you know, do interviews and they'll say, could you just introduce yourself to the camera or to the, you know, so what are you? So I'm Dominic Wilcox and I am, and then and I normally stop because I haven't really thought about it for a while. And then they ask that question. I think, wait a minute, can I just do this again? I'm Dominic Wilcox and I am. And what's interesting about this question, it's a big question because it, it comes up a lot, particularly yeah. for creative people, I think, or people who don't quite fit into a particular category. I know I'm starting to say it depends who's asking. If it's a member of the public who has, you know, outside of my, the creative bubble, and um, I say, so what do you do? I say something like, uh, I invent unusual objects and then make them real. Uh, and then the, they go, wow, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I've never met, met an inventor before. It actually is uh, quite a stimulating start to the conversation. Yeah. It's just more interesting. Yes. It's a must- Rather than if you say, oh, I'm Dominic, I'm an artist, or Dominic, I'm a designer. Well, everybody's got their own pigeonhole of what that represents. You're, if you're an artist, or you paint. If you're a designer, you're a web designer. Well, that's not really <laughs> my... It doesn't really get close. Yes. Also, or, or alternatively, I'll say I work between the worlds of art, design, craft, technology and other things, <laughs> in order to create interesting things, or draw them. I'm a visual communicator. Yeah. In fact, that's what I sort of studied at uh, Edinburgh College of Art, um, visual communication. Yeah, how can I communicate my ideas to a person visually without having to speak them? Because I'm a quiet person, generally, yes. you know. Yeah. 
I see. Very good. Well, I'm pleased we cleared that up. <laughs> that took a while. Oh, well, that was the end of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, we'll, we'll, uh, I'd like to talk to you a bit more about that um, uh, in, in due course. But for now, let me, um, let me uh, uh, read to you a quote that I read from you, which said, uh, I've convinced myself that within everything that surrounds us, there are hundreds of ideas and connections waiting to be found. Yes. I love that idea. Uh-huh. They're already there. <clears throat> You yeah. just have to hunt them down. Yeah, that's it. It's a positive view. It, and, and you need to be positive in order to find ideas. I worked that out when I was in, you know, on the degree course in Edinburgh. And I used to leave <laughs> the finishing my project till the last minute. Typical. And then I'd go home. You could walk to college. I'd go home and I'd lie on my bed. And I'd have like half a day to finish the two-week project or come up with something and make something. <laughs> it's crazy. And, um, and I'd lie on my bed and I'd close my eyes and I would be, like, psychologically convincing myself, giving myself confidence that I can do it. I can come up with the idea. I just need to believe. And if you believe you can do it, it, lift, it it's a good foundation to start being creative and let the mind go. These self-doubts are the killer of creativity. As soon as you start thinking, having doubts that you will be able to come up with the idea, there's something drops like an energy level. There's a mental energy level that drops below what is required really to come up with the idea. Coming up with ideas does take a creative energy and self-doubt is a killer of that. So I learned quite early and it worked and I kept doing it. I kept having this like moments of lying down with my eyes closed, con- telling myself, the ideas are there. I've got the ideas. They're in my head. I just need to concentrate yeah. and I'll find them. And they came out. <laughs> so, yeah. so it was almost a deliberate act of will. It is a deliberate act. Now, obviously, there are not really ideas floating around, but it's a way of thinking yeah. about that yes. that I like and it, fit, and it works. Yeah. And so... That's why I will say, within everything, this bottle here, this glass, there are, there, are potent- there are many thousands of potential brilliant ideas out of this wine glass that I'm holding. Whether it's visually, the sound of it, the material, the changing, the handle, the, there's so much potential in it. Yeah. That is a fact. That is true. Yeah. Um, and once you believe that, that gives you like this confidence that, oh, God, I'm nearly there. I can keep on going. And if I just keep on thinking and playing and twisting it and drawing it down in a funny way, just to trick my mind into thinking a bit outside of the box on it, look at it from different angles, I will eventually find that idea. It's really interesting, isn't it? That um, I think something people often overlook is that creativity is to a degree a state of mind, as you've said. And uh, I've found that when you're fearful, or you're, you have doubts, you're, you're fearing that you're not good enough, then the state of being fearful is a little bit about projecting an outcome into the future and saying, I'm not going to be good enough and this is going to go wrong or I'm never going to... Whereas to be creative, you've kind of got to be in the moment. <coughs> you? You've got to be sort yeah. of present. Yes. You've got to be carefree rather than <laughs> fearful. <laughs> yeah, it's a balance. And I think... Uh, Everybody's got a different personality, so therefore it's very difficult to talk about creativity and how to be creative when a person is starting from a different starting position yeah. than another person. Some are very self-confident, some are underconfident, but 
very crea creative thinkers. Um, they just haven't showed it to anyone because they don't have any confidence. You know? um, so it's difficult finding this mental position, although it is a way, creativity is a way of thinking. Um, it could be a slightly different way of thinking for different people, depending on what type of person you are. And there is not one type of great idea. There are many different types. And I've got my certain type of idea that, I, that my brain and my experiences and my knowledge and my personality um, create. But a person with a very different type of uh, personality, I think, will come up with different types of ideas in a different way. I mean, I'm always jealous of the people who are very uh, carefree, as you say, and, you know, the, these famous characters we read about in the 60s and the 50s who didn't, don't seem to care about anything and will say it and do anything to, uh, you know, this, uh, I am not that person. I, I'm very conscious, self-conscious, conscious of the other person I'm talking to, analytical, you know, and I'm sort of jealous of that free-flowing free, uh, way of thinking, which is why I actually forced myself into doing um, stand-up, um, not stand-up, but um, improvised comedy classes. And I did oh. three uh, courses in a row and, and, and performed on a stage. Really? Yeah, even though that is completely the opposite of what I would want to do. <laughs> but I've done some, a number of projects where I, I know that that state of improvise, improvising, yeah. being in a situation where you have to come up with an idea yeah. there quickly, there's no yeah. procrastination time. You can't do it tomorrow. It has to be now. So what are you going to do? Yes. And that's sort of like being, it's sort of like pushing yourself off the cliff yeah. in a way yeah. and believing that you're going to, the parachute's going to open. <laughs> you know? yeah. But many people don't jump off that cliff. Yes. And they say, yeah, we can go into, you know, the, you know, when we talk to people and say, I say, are you creative? They say, oh, no, I'm not creative. They don't even want to go there. They're like frightened of that word, yeah. of even trying. And where's that come from? It's probably when they were told that the drawings were not very good at school. And so they say, I'm not creative, I can't draw. As though the two things are essential together. And without the one, they can't do the other. Anyway. So well, let's, um, let's talk a little bit about um, school, Ben. Yeah. Uh, so you grew up in, uh, in the North East? Yes. In Sunderland? Yeah, in Sunderland. Lovely. Oh, yeah. Lauren Laverne. As well. <laughs> yes, well, she, she she was in my sister's class. Was she? Yeah, big fan of Lauren and Burn and uh, Six Music. Uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, how was it growing up? Were you, were, were you uh, making stuff? Or? Not really. I mean, no more than any. I think it was typical childhood. I did make some uh, model aeroplanes and hung them with fishing wire on the bedroom. I wish I took a photograph, but I don't. And I used to paint those, you know, those um, games workshop figures, the oh, little yes. lead figures. Yeah. I, I got into painting those. Yeah. Not playing the game. Like, the rules were far too complicated. Like yeah, but advanced. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, painting the little figures, putting the tiny little eyes on with a tiny little brush. Yeah. So I loved, I did, so I had a bit of um, interest in, you know, sort of, uh, like skill, like the, having a skill, yeah. but in a very controlled way. Okay. You know, I think I'm a quite a, uh, like, not perfectionist, sort of perfectionist in what I do, but not in my life. <laughs> it's, okay. a, it's funny, you know, I'm not, I'm not like, 
yeah, perfect, Mr. Perfectionist man generally. But when it comes to the what I'm making, I am. And, and, and I suppose that little element of the skill of making something really well yeah. uh, was there. But, it, but it, I, was, I don't think I was showing any signs of being any more creative than anyone else. In the, draw, in the drawings at school, A-level, it would be just bring in some objects and paint them. Yeah. I quite like getting it realistic. Okay. So, so yeah. there's like that tightness, what I would say, you know, yes. that sort of controlness yes. there. Yeah. There's the other type of person I would be doing the abstract paintings. And I couldn't, I found that challenging right. to do that. And that's coming again to the improvising and pushing myself out of control yeah, and, yeah, have, yeah. and knowing the value of doing that. Yeah. It's funny, it reminds me of uh, something Grayson Perry talks about. He says um, that within him he's got a punk and he's got a hobbit. And the hobbit is the kind of craftsman with the attention to detail who will happily just beaver away on, the, on a piece of ceramics. Mm. And the punk is the sort of the devil may care kind of iconoclastic mm. attitude that he has. And he thinks very much that mm. his success has been based on, on these two quite different but complementary aspects of his creative personality. Yes, I th- well, contrasts are very uh, exciting, yes. bringing together two disparate, different things. It's, it's interesting. I, I, I don't want to appear too creepy, but I have done some research <laughs> on you. Uh, and you, um, uh, you got an A in physics and an A in art. Um, yeah, um, probably. Um, at some level, my my notes. Yeah, quite that. Exactly. Yeah, GCSE. <laughs> but, but but that's interesting too, isn't it? You know, those are um, uh, conventionally quite different disciplines, and we expect people to be good at physics or good at art, but not necessarily good at both. And it yeah. back a little bit to what you were saying at the beginning when I asked you, um, you know, what what it is that you do and who you are and you said yeah. it's difficult to quantify. Yes, that's it. Are, yeah. are we guilty, do you think, a little bit of, um, maybe it starts at school, of, of, of hiding people off into into one genre? Or, oh, uh, well, of course we are. Uh, we know that the subjects, this, uh, which was created the Victorian times to create subjects as a way of teaching and div- devising it up and probably before then, but... Um, uh, yes, the downsides of it, uh, that way of uh, teaching can simplify, I guess, school the school system, but is it, is it the best thing for the children? I don't know. There are downsides, definitely, of, yeah, I think we do get funneled into making decisions yeah. on our future because it's the system. Yeah. You go from a GCSE to A-level to university or college, and you have to make decisions really early. Yes. And actually, what I've heard is they're, they're scrapping a lot of the uh, art and design foundation courses in uh, universities now. And so I was actually talking to a design tutor recently, to design university, and he was saying how bad this is because um, young people are coming out straight out of school, maybe doing some art at school or something, and then going straight into a degree in interior design or graphic design without really checking out all of the other method ways of being creative or actually making things with the hands because at school there wasn't a making um, part element. So they've gone straight from that 
into <laughs> diving straight into a degree in a specific form of creativity. And that's frustrating. While the, the, art, the art and design one year is where you do a bit of everything, try out a bit of sculpture, a bit of painting, a bit of design, a bit of graphics, yeah. and you can feel out and find a way and then make decisions. Well, they've knocked, apparently they've uh, reduced greatly the numbers of these foundation courses. So that critical phase of kind of self-discovery uh, yeah. is missing. Yeah, so it's, I think there's big problems being knocked down to, to the future of people going to be doing in in a pathway that's really not suited to them. Well, on education, uh, you, you, um, you've, you've talked before about um, a particular tutor of yours, Charlie Holmes, who, who switched you on to the creative possibilities of your own mind. Yeah. Again, I think that's a, that's a lovely phrase. <laughs> how, did, how, did, uh, how did Charlie Holmes do this? Charlie, uh, Charlie Holmes is a contemporary artist. Um, and as I say, on the A level, it was I was mostly painting objects, <laughs> which I quite liked. But uh, and my dad said he could get us a job at Nissan because he met someone and they said, bring him along. <laughs> and I said, no, dad, I, I quite like painting. I quite like art. Yeah. And uh, so I went to the Sunderland Foundation course and I just scraped on the, the interview by, with the last painting which was a, yeah, another still life, but it was better than the other ones. And he said, he said, I wasn't going to accept you until that last one. Really? So my whole life, yeah, my whole life would have been changed if I hadn't shown that last little painting. Anyway, um, yeah, this Charlie Holmes uh, guy, he was, he, was on the, he was a teacher on the graphics section and you spent three months on that one. And yeah, he showed us, he took us to contemporary art galleries, which I'd not experienced before, a different way of thinking. Um, and he set us challenges. He showed us books of unusual objects, everyday objects with a twist, right. and then challenged us to have a go of thinking our own ideas, and I, and I found I could do it, and I found I enjoyed doing it. It was like, a as a, as a shy, quiet person, you spend a lot of time trying to work out how to communicate to other people without saying anything. <laughs> that is basically what I'm doing. I took that. And he showed me a, a way of doing that. Yeah. And yeah, so, I, yeah, I could, and th through drawing ideas, and I didn't make anything physical. I made a couple of little things physically, but it was mostly 2D drawing or photography and stuff. So that was a release for me as a shy person. So, I mean, we talk about sort of communication and design and this stuff. It's almost personal it's communication. Per yeah, it's a logical way to be, um, to communicate. It's as though if you're born and you can't speak, how would you overcome that? We well, have to use a creativity, a lot of creativity, yeah. to overcome those little situations. So, Charlie so Holmes helps you find your voice in, in more ways than one. It, it did, exactly, yes. And I, I keep referencing him. Because it's important, because he, you know, with the project I've done recently with children and inspiring people and talking more about creativity and trying to pass it on, basically. Is he, is he still about? Well, that was the thing. So the story was I lost contact. He's not on the internet, you know. Um, and so that was 20 something years ago. And um, but he was like this legendary character to me, a memory person. And um, 
and then I got uh, given an honorary doctorate at Sunderland University. So, and the presentation was going to be at um, the Stadium of Light, <laughs> you know, all the students, and, and I was to give a speech. So I thought, I'm really going to tr- try my best to get in contact with Charlie Holmes. Yeah. But I didn't know how, to, and I, I put the word out at Sunderland University, and of course there was some staff that remembered who Charlie was, and, and then out of the blue I got an email from Charlie Holmes saying that he'd heard that I was trying to find him. And so I invited him, so he was there for the dinner, and um, yeah, that was great. It's been quite, um, yeah, it's been lovely. Yes, yes, it was great. And he hadn't, I was worried. You know how you worry that your yeah. memory is different yeah. or people would have changed. Kind of <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. I was yeah. a young man and... Uh, and uh, it, it It's exactly the same. Yeah. Brilliant. So um, you, you, were, you, you, um, you did the course um, and... Uh, I read that you sort of mooched around a bit and, and then you reached a bit of a sort of impasse and ended up in Berlin. So, so. Uh, yeah, I went to, after Edinburgh, I lived in Japan for a year, taught English just to yeah. do something different. I actually followed a girlfriend I had at the time who was more of a mover and shaker and I followed her. Okay. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, I didn't, uh, yeah, I always say I never, I never had one creative thought in Japan. Everybody would say, oh, you must have been so inspiring. <laughs> Because I was in what they called culture shock. Right. I was like on the. I was like survival mode. Okay. And when you're in survival mode, you're not. It's not a great position, mental position to be creative. That's like an addition thing. When yeah. you're completely relaxed and comfortable, yeah. Yeah. creativity is on top of survival. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah, in a way, you know. I was in fight or flight all the way through, and I made it through back under the plane. I love Japan, by the way, and I have been back many times, and I love the people. Um, but yeah, at that yeah, time, it was a little bit, yeah, because it was really working. You know, it wasn't just like visiting. It was uh, anyway. Then yeah, moved to London, and uh, yeah, so I, I sort of drifted. I start, yeah, I drifted. I drifted. Um, but what happened was I, I went to London, I worked in Foyle's Bookshop, which is this oh, big yes. bookshop with yes. piles of books everywhere. I had a friend who worked there in the 90s. Okay. Um, it was quite a ramshackle. <laughs> yes, it was. It was. get away with murder. <laughs> yeah. By all accounts. It, yeah, it was, uh, the it's described as the world's biggest bookshop. Uh, anyway, it was pile, the world's most piles of books yes. on the floors. Yeah. But, you know, it was brilliant. It was, but I realised that's not for me. <laughs> that's not for me. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and then I, I, there's a there's a book called A Smile in the Mind. Uh, it's a really in yeah. yeah. The guy who wrote it started uh, ran a graphic design company called The Partners, which won all of which keeps winning awards. You know, D and A D, and it's famous. So I thought I'm going to apply there to do see if I'll yeah. get in there because I'd heard about it, yeah. and then. Did that for three months. Then I saw a documentary on the Royal College of Art, and there was an artist on a product design course. And, product, and the, so it was like objects, because my ideas were coming out as things. And I thought, I'm going to apply. So I jumped from partners and got onto that course. And that's when I made the move into making or the, the 3D side of yeah. what I do. Did that, got traumatized again with like culture shock or something. <laughs> It's, it's a place where there's, thou- there's loads of really famous designers giving their opinions yeah. 
which is useful. You know, it's amazing. Yeah. To, but as an underconfident person, you can lose yourself. You can lose. And I actually was like doing things to sort of please people. I'd like test myself. Could I think of an inventive coffee table? Yeah. You know, if I had to. And so I'd start to end up doing like design, like traditional, um, not traditional, but, you know, interior products with a twist. Yeah, true. But it was, I, I lost my original um, inventive uh, yeah, personality a little bit. And it took me a while, about th- th- uh, three, four years where I was drifting a bit. Like I didn't know where I fitted in. Is it art? Is it design? That is the problem of being an outsider, yes. you know. Yeah. It is nice, actually, to be in a system because yeah. there's a support system yeah. there. If you're squarely within a category, then... then yeah, like, that must be wonderful. I, I'm very jealous of those. Anyway, I opted or didn't want to be in it, yeah. and I found myself out of it. So I drifted, and then I went to Berlin for a little holiday. Yeah, saw some people playing golf. Uh, every 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 uh, afternoon, I go to the there's some old punk rockers playing golf and frisbee. I thought I really should do something, and boredom is a great motivator to be creative. Yeah. So I started a blog, variations on normal, put some drawings on, and then it got picked up. And suddenly, I had a, like a little audience leaving comments, and that was 2009. And really, that was me back into it. Yes, I. Being an introvert and a quiet person, you're not a great networker. And if you've been like before the internet, you really had to be a good social networker, I think, yeah. to make sure people knew who you were and to at least have the opportunity to put your work in front of people who could create an exhibition. So yeah. before, but now the internet, I just got it, got the blog, and that gave me a direct link to cut out the middleman. Yes. And that really gave me a motivation to start doing work again yeah because you set yourself the challenge of creating 30 objects in 30 days yeah which is um uh it's quite a brave thing to do uh, um but it 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 worked yeah yeah because uh, it was funny when we were talking earlier about sort of fear and creativity and stuff i think one way uh to uh, start making is, is just to start making isn't it and to not worry too much about quality mm. but just to do as much stuff Yes. yes, and it, and in a way, when we start to worry about the quality of our ideas, then we, we things slow down and we and we freeze. But if you're just turning stuff over, mm. then you, you you start to get into that state of flow, don't you? I think. Which I think. Is, um, mm. uh, uh, which is 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 quite a nice place to be. It is. It is. Yes, I do think about that, and you know this um, the mental block thing that having a white pa- piece of paper in front of you and a pen. Where do you come up with the idea? How do you become creative? Like, you know, so many people want to know the answer. And <clears throat> and I think it's true what you say, that you don't, you don't want to put too much pressure on yourself to have to come up with a big idea straight away. Normally what I would do is write out some words associated with the subject matter. Maybe draw some objects or things around that subject matter. It just ha- And this helps me feel... Focus. So I think it's important to get your mind to stop jumping around, thinking about what you've got to do tomorrow and, and yeah. to just focus on the subject. For me, that is a challenge enough because my mind's all over the place. And, um, and yeah, so, so just to, to help focus, maybe you might draw something badly, you might 
give you a little thought and and then leave it. I think it's important to leave things to, and to, to return. There's something on the radio about memory and memorizing for exams and how there's an there's a specific name I can't remember what it is, but it's it's do something else period yes. yeah. to then come back to it, and this helps the memory. And I think in terms of creativity and ideas sparking, there's also something to be said to focus, think, like get your mind to focus on that subject in whatever way you want. You, you, that helps. Then leave it. Then come back, and you'll find your your mind has already got the knowledge, and it's starting to have ideas, which is things we do beyond our knowledge. Yeah, it's really interesting that, isn't it? Um, it's a good book um, called Elastic Thinking about the different mental processes that are involved in in, in ideas. I, I sometimes think about it a bit like cooking. You know, they. Uh, you, you have a period of sort of thinking about the project and, and, and what's required and the problem, which is a bit like chopping the vegetables. And then you stick them in a pan on the low heat mm. and go off. And, and, and there is, the brain is, is, is remarkable for its capacity to, mm. to just sort of keep stuff ticking over on a low heat. And I mm. think that's, um, that, that's often why ideas suddenly come to you when you're in the bath or you, mm-hmm. you know... You're doing something which is, um, which is, is, is just allowing the mind to, to roam free. That's it. But it can, it can be a bit worrying. For, you know, people start to worry, oh, the idea hasn't come, though. Yeah. You know what I mean? Then people yes. start to panic. Yeah. And when pa- and panic, there's yeah. a difference between being up for the idea, like being um, nervous or, and panicking. There's a line. As soon as it goes into panic mode... Then your then your chance of finding that idea. Yeah. So you've got to keep like a light touch, like a. Yes. It hasn't come, but so what? I'm going to yeah. keep on going. Yes. You know, yeah. not to panic, to keep the. Yeah, it's like your heart rate calm. Yes. And just to believe. Yes. This is where the belief. And is. I suppose that comes from experience a little bit as well. It can do, yeah. Knowing, you know, that when you've been in the, the, uh, the sort of um, wilderness. <laughs> Yes. You, you, sooner or later, you do reemerge. <laughs> you do, you do. So it's uh, yeah, it's a it's a mental. Um, it's a very much uh, like people who maybe meditate or you know, phasing out the distractions, focusing down, whatever they people do to meditate. They're trying to get the mind in a particular area, and that it's like a red, a red dot moving around. And when it's, and I always think, I sometimes think, I'm only creative for about. 12 seconds a day and it's this it's like i've got a little hole a vision hole and a little red dot is floating around the room and once in a while it comes into vision and that is a very short period and that's gone because my mind's changed its position of thinking there's like a beautiful balanced moment when my mind is in the right position of thinking right feeling uh confidence belief uh, excitement, um, you know, when you, you know, I talk about uh, when you're out with your friends in a pub and, I've, and, and you're, you're relaxed, you're confident, you can share your ideas, that people will enjoy, you sort of know, so you say a joke, but you're confident that they'll get the joke. Yes. If you know that they're not going to get the joke, you won't bother saying it. And I think we're, we're in that, we can be in that nice moment of creativity in the in the pub with your friends, with your best friends, yeah. bouncing thoughts off, and it's how can you um, 
you recreate that yourself when you're in the, you know, you're in the office or whatever, having to come up with the idea. One thing I wanted to come back to was you, you said that um, so boredom is quite a good sort of creative stimulus. Mm-hmm. You also said how um, that 30 objects in 30 days on your blog mm-hmm. attracted a lot of mm-hmm. attention. Yeah. And it seems to me that quite a lot of the things that you've done have benefited from the internet and mm-hmm. being able to share things fairly easily. And yet the internet is, 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 is maybe the thing that it, um, is most likely to remove boredom as a thing from you know the state of human existence yes it's a difficult thing isn't it it is a difficult thing it's a big subject because <laughs> yeah. i remember the do lectures where we met you you you, you opened with a picture of you sat in a tree oh uh, yes and, and you said that's where you know you oh yeah get away with it all. yeah for, for ideas but but in a way so many ideas have come to so many people in those moments when they've just been lost looking out the window on a train yeah. for instance or a bus mm. or waiting for somebody who's late mm-hmm. and that um, that particular state of mind is something that we experience less and less these days because we always have the capacity to reach you know, mm. pockets for our phones yes I think it's a it's, <clears throat> it's, a, it's a balance between you, you know you, you it's quite common to hear you know you get ex- inspired by going to museums going to art galleries immersing yourself in culture and popular culture and and sort of um that's been like a dj or a mix mixer (laughs) um uh that is one method of being creative which is sort of like innovation adding on to another innovation yeah and sort of taking it forward in that way that is one way of being creative it's not my favorite to a degree in that I, I guess my natural instinct, possibly as an introvert, is to, to separate myself out and become like an observer, not wanting, or in a way, it's, it's, maybe it's not introvert, but it, I've, I definitely like to be unique, <laughs> or search for being different. Or just it, it, it excites my mind to see things I haven't seen before. Yes. And therefore... I don't really want to copy or mimic or improve on existing creativity. I want to do something completely different that I've never seen or experienced before. I want to separate myself in that way. It's, there's neither, I can't say one is right and one is wrong. Yeah. Um, but for me personally, the internet is a danger because I, do, I am on, you know, looking on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram um, and you can see the days go by, and you haven't, I haven't separated, haven't stood back from the world. The world is the internet, or almost it starts to feel like that if you get stuck into that. And so, yeah, I need to force myself out. Yeah, I, something I, I, I've not resolved at all, no. really, and I'm not sure anybody has. <laughs> but in, in a way, it, it's a brilliant platform to share work, and, mm. and uh, you know. I live in Wales with my wife, and, and my wife's an artist, and um, we live in a sort of fairly remote place. So for her to be able to share her work, as her painting and drawing as she goes, she finds helpful, you know, because she has a community now of, of, of voices and, and, and people she trusts. 
who she can share work with um, in a way that um, she might do in a in a in a pub or a cafe if we lived somewhere mm. a little less remote. <coughs> but the flip side of that is that as soon as you've shared something, there is this sort of metric <coughs> beneath it immediately um, of how many likes, oh, yes, shares, and, yeah. and and that sort of um, immediate evaluation is. Is, is, is kind of dangerous. It is. Because you, it's, it's who are you doing this for? Whatever you're doing, who are you doing it for? Is it to please the audience? And if you do that, like an artist might have an exhibition and a particular type of painting might be most popular. It might get the most likes if it was online. Yeah. And so that artist will have a pressure either internally or externally both to do more work like that that decision is influenced by other people telling you what to do or influencing you that might not be the best thing for you to do yourself because actually you found the quirky weird one that no one really got but you know that there's a lot more to that one and it just wasn't communicated well or whatever and so it's a question of who do who are we being creative for and I think we can get sucked into this um, beguiling um, likes and <laughs> clicks yeah. and shares yeah. thing as a, all right, so that bit thing that I did is the best thing. So I should do more of that. Yeah. And I think that is dangerous because then you become just like everybody else. You sort of assimilate. I keep thinking of that um, Ford, uh, the... the, the the inventor of the car, when he said, uh, if I asked people what they wanted, oh, yeah. it would add a uh, faster course. Yeah. <laughs> I'm aware of that. Yeah. And uh, I don't want to be that, but I don't want to be asking people. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think it's nice to, that's why I, saw, I, saw, I see what I do as just an expression, and I hope it is an expression of my personality, mm-hmm. of who, who I am, expressed visually. Yeah. And if I can keep remembering that, it keep bring me, It'll keep bringing me back to me and not them, <laughs> the, yeah. the others. The others. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that's something you've managed to do very successfully it's a with, with your own work. Um, let's talk about Little Inventors, if we may. So when I first um, I saw your book, The Reinvention of the <coughs> but I, 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 I remember seeing you speak about Little Inventors at um, the Do Lectures, and it was, um, it, was, it was maybe the highlight of that weekend me and um, so uh, without me waffling anymore <laughs> about little inventors could, could you tell tell us a little bit about <clears throat> what it is uh, well in the simple terms it's uh, we ask sh- children to think up invention ideas either bonkers ones or practical ones draw them down and then we ask local makers manufacturers craftspeople experts to turn the most interesting ones into um, real things or prototypes for exhibition that's the, you know, the, the basic premise yeah. that it started on us, which I did. Returned to Sunderland for the first time since leaving and asked for 450 children, primary school children, to think up the ideas, drew them down, found some makers, they made them. We found an empty shop in Sunderland. I put my graph, my drawings on the front and we filled, uh, filled it with an exhibition and it went viral because of that. I, put, I did a website of it, so I got make sure they're all photographed. And yeah. you've got to do that bit every time you do a project. Get good photographs, bit of video. I 
commissioned a, a guy to do um, a, a video, a film. So there's a film. And then, yeah, it went viral. And so I started to get e- people emailing, asking me to do this. Could they do the same thing around the world? And so we started Little Inventors as an ongoing concern. And that was, uh, well, it, yeah, it was, the, it was the beginning of 2016 was the first exhibition in Sunderland. So, and yeah, and it's really, we've done so many things. There isn't actually enough time uh, in, on, the in, on our website to tell people what we've just done yeah. before we're on to the next thing. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It's, it's just it's amazing. Extraordinary how it's how it sort of blossomed and, mm. and flourished. And uh, uh, I, I, you've spoken at the United Nations about. I did, I, the, the, it was at the uh, World Summit on Innovation. And, uh, There's a brilliant photograph of you just on that. On that. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know. That's, yeah, that's what my friends say. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, it is a good photograph. <laughs> um, no, yes, I, I mean, I've done that. Yeah, we. Isn't it funny how this sort of introverted bloke from, uh, I know. from Sunderland can end? I know, and people don't believe us when I say I'm into or shy. I say, You're not. Yeah. I say, Yeah, I am. I, you know, it's, it's different being on a stage, yeah. particularly when I'm in control of right. the subject that I'm talking on. I know yeah. my work better than anyone and so I can talk about it if I was on if I was talking about any other subject I would be terrible bag of nerves I wouldn't want to do it but also there's a difference between the stage and everyday life yeah. it's a different I'm I don't like being in groups yeah. uh, I'd rather I'm a I get my energy by you know on my own or with one person yeah. you know I want to one person I think and uh, but yeah, no, I uh, I've been I've been around the world now. I mean, we've just we're it's about to be talked about in, in the International Space Station by one of the astronauts because really? we asked children in Canada to think up inventions for life in space because the government's um, Natural Science and Engineering Research Council (NSERC) saw <laughs> saw it on the internet and thought it was a great idea for children, so they commissioned us to run a project, teamed us up with the Canadian Space Agency. And, um, and yeah, so um, David Sanjak, who's now in the International um, Space Agent, uh, is, um, space Station, is going to do a sort of download video, video link going through some of the best ideas with the children. So there's little things like that, there's many things. <laughs> what, was the, uh, what was the initial um, sort of motivation or prompt or uh, to begin I mean, to, to do the project, the original project in Sunderland. Yeah, well, the, the idea I got was I was invited to, I mean, I was on the top of the BT Tower for a National Inventors Day and BT, uh, BT were running that and they invited me to be like a spokesperson. There were some children came in for an event. The guy uh, who was running that organisation was just called Steam Co. Uh, he invited me to come to one of their events. He said, there's a hundred children can come into this room and he's a desk. What do you want to do? So I just drew some um, picture frames with my invention on the top, and then I put some of my invention drawings on the wall. Some children came up. I said, which ideas do you like? They said, that one. I said, do you want to be an inventor? And they said, yeah. I said, well, draw down your inventions. There was only about 20, but there were some brilliant ideas. There was a little girl did a half-sleeping pill tablet that sends asleep your left side of your face while your right side can keep on working. A little six-year-old at a, t- a, a camera embedded in the tooth and when you smile it takes a photograph and I was thinking these are like 
central St. Martin's uh, design, you know, projects. And um, we should take them seriously. So that's when I got that idea, the spark of the idea. I was then later commissioned to do something interesting in Sunderland to reach many people. And and that's why I pitched. I see. And what what have you learned while doing this project about kids and creatives? Well, I think a lot what I thought, the reason I like, the reason why I specifically ask the young children is because they have this free imagination. Um, they don't really, they're not really concerned about what's impossible or what they think of as impossible. So there's, la- there's, there's less restrictions on their thoughts. And... And actually, modern technology is so advanced now, I don't think anything is impossible. <laughs> it feels like that, you know. Yeah. So actually, the children are right on that. And yeah, they just have that free, flexible mind that allows them to come up with ideas. And not all the time, of course. There's a lot of scribbles. <laughs> but, uh, but every now and again, you, 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 you hear a brilliant idea. And, um, and I thought, and the project is to take those ideas seriously. And present them, yeah. Yeah, because it's, it's funny, isn't it, that we there there is that sort of um, un, uh, unfettered, fearless creativity in younger kids. Mm-hmm. I've got two boys, um, and uh, it's funny how you see them progress through the school system, and uh, I guess through through age as well. And and they're, they're, they 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 become more mindful of whether a plane looks like a plane or looks like other people's planes. And there, there is a sort of a self-consciousness, mm. I think, which seems to inhibit a little bit the, 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 the freedom one needs to, to, to make. It does, it does. But, I mean, I've, you know, it's interesting because I did the same Little Inventors project, which is primary school, with uh, secondary school. I've also done it with uh, adults with learning difficulties, which was interesting, and how the the, um, the the adults were with the carers, and we asked them to same thing, come up with an invention idea, think about a problem. The carers had thought about problems and came up with a drew their inventions, and the adults with the learning difficulties was a nice proactive activity rather than asking them what the problem and then some designers somewhere solving their problems. They were actually challenged. But um, on the, um, the teenagers, at first, with a workshop, they were very quiet and self-conscious. And I thought, uh-oh. <laughs> but I would show my ideas, which are quite fun, or, you know, thought-provoking, creating an atmosphere that's relaxed. Yeah. And that, oh, you can come up with crazy ideas, you know. It's not a strict, serious, you know, thing. Um, eventually, you sort of un, um, release these layers, and those teenagers were just as creative as the primary school. It was just a matter of getting over that yeah. initial barriers that yeah. they've put up yeah. over the years of, you know, expectations. Yeah. And and I think, you know, on creativity, that's what it is. It To be more creative, it's not... You don't become more creative. You simply work on removing these layers that have been built up over our creativity since childhood 
to remove them, to release our creativity. In other words, we've, we've all still got our childhood creativity within us. We've just had our confidence knocked. Someone said, that, that's not a good drawing. You're not creative. If you remember these little things. Or you have an experience where you said an idea and it didn't go down well. Yeah. I'm not going to say another idea again. These things will build up these layers. And the challenge is to focus on how to analyze those, those layers and to remove them, to release our creativity. You know? So ben Oakley, the novelist, said, you, you, "We don't need to learn how to be creative. We need to unlearn how to be not creative." <laughs> yes, you know what I, mean? I yeah. think so. Yes. Uh, uh, one of the things about your work, I think, is the uh, there's a real sense of fun to it. Yeah. Uh, playful. Yeah. <coughs> it's right. a bit daft. All right. <laughs> God, I hate that word. Do you hate the word daft? <laughs> I do. Right, I've got right, a few right. words: zany, wacky. Oh right, yeah. Daft. Um. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, there's another one. Oh, there's a few others. <laughs> I'll, I'll say them out loud. So, uh, whimsical. Gee whiz. Uh, yeah. It's all right. I'll begrudgingly accept. To be honest, I do use sometimes those words, but again, it depends who I'm talking to. <laughs> um, why do I think that? Um, I th- well, I, th- I think it dimin- diminishes them if it use those words. I don't want to be like uptight about it. No. I, I mean, I, I always say that you know I am deadly serious about um, playfulness as a method yeah. of finding ideas, and I think that's important because it can be dismissed as just a bit of fun, or you know, but it's actually a serious technique for finding ideas to have a playful atmosphere and to, yeah, have fun puts your mind into a certain position which enables the potential of ideas coming out. So it is a serious uh, approach in that way. So there's that side. Um, Why do I... I I suppose it's a little bit... feels like a bit dismissive of it doesn't make sense. But actually, if you look... You know, like the type of work I do, for example, everything makes perfectly logical sense. I've, there's a like there's a teacup with a cooling fan, and it's a and the teacup I chose is a traditional. It's got that sort of blue Chinese um, graphic teacup, yeah. and the fan I put I replicated the Chinese blue uh, graphic onto the fan blades, so it becomes so it's sort of like I am taking these things very seriously. And, um, and yeah, I suppose, <laughs> I suppose I think, well, actually, hmm, I think these are serious ideas, but I do recognize they are, uh, abs- there's an absurdity to them, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and of course, so I'm sort of like in this, it's, I probably, I'm not overthinking it, but I think about it deeply. And when many people don't, <laughs> don't think so deeply. So, you know, it is zany and wacky, and I, I know that, and I, I accept that. Coming from where you're coming from, to me, it's not. It's perfectly logical. The Little Inventors Project um, is, is, is this sort of brilliant wealth of sort of fantastic inventions. Um, and you see, when you look at the website, you get this real sense. Of, it feels like a real, really vital thing. And has obviously captured uh, people's imaginations across, across the world. But it's... Um, sort of a wonderfully um, <coughs> thing as well I think you know that we um, mm. 
we are um, bombarded with um, difficult and unpleasant stories mm. about things that are happening mm. um, and uh, for that reason alone just to know that there is this creative vitality mm. among kids and kids are yes. playfully happily joyfully making stuff is, yeah. is happening yes yes I think there's lots of doom and gloom as we know and it's as though you know you've got these um, the children going on strike with the the global warming and such yeah. like and it's uh and the children um are very uh yeah inspiring i think actually with the little inventors we have the there's three parts one is inspiring the children the other part is inspiring the makers and challenging them and the third part is inspiring the visitors the public to seek to be inspired by the children yes. you know yeah. um and it does work. The people who come to the exhibition say, oh, wow, because the ideas are good. You know, we I make sure they, they, that we pick out the best ones and we, we show them to the best of our ability and, and the maker's ability. And, and, yeah, so people are inspired and they start to think, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. What about this idea? And then, you know, the adults are coming up with their own ideas. It's, it just kickstarts. Yeah. So it is, um, yeah, it's inspiring. See, it has to be uh, one of the most valuable attributes we human beings have, I think, mm. after love, creativity. Yes, yeah. It's, um, it's, uh, it's one of the things we do well. Um, yes. you, uh, um, you're, you've got a project on at the moment called the Office of Lost and Found Oddities. Yes, yes, That's the Lost and Found Office of Oddities. Yeah, I need to get, I keep getting that mixed up, but uh, yeah, the Lost and Found Office of Oddities. Yes, that was a, that is a, that's a project that actually I've done and I have no time to tell anyone about it until now. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. So uh, and I was really happy about I'm really happy about the project. I think almost it was one of the most satisfying creative projects I've done, you know. So with, with this project, you've, you've found peculiar things and then you invite the speculation as to what. Yeah. So the, so the, the, the premise to the public is that the Lost and Found Office of Oddities is a place where the most strange, unusual objects in the world end up because no one knows what they are or what they do. So they go out to the public and ask the general public, we found this in Manchester behind a telephone box. Does anyone know what it could be for? What does it do? Who would own it? And the general public come up and give their suggestions and they are not noted down and logged. Um... So it's a creative project that is really um, it's uh, stimulating ideas from pe- from people who may not think of themselves as creative people but come up with brilliant ideas, and it's about that subject really. So encouraging creativity by stealth. It is. It is basically, and it's also a, well. What's, there's many different things I find interesting about it. it's sort of a reverse design. Because some of the objects were real objects that were found, and I didn't know what they were. The, the other objects were created objects that are objects that look like they do something, but I don't know what they do. And we put them out there as found objects, but really they're just odd objects. What do you think this object could do? Yes. And then we, it, it find, yeah, we come up with great ideas. So I worked with some improvised objects 
actors, improvisation actors, and they were the office workers. Um, Ian Watts it. Yeah. Francesca found it. Um, I was Peter Thingy. And we had name badges. No one looked at the name badges, but <laughs> got the, in a uniform, nice little shirt. Yeah, we went around a um, car boot sale and uh, old people's event in a, ho- in a hotel and got some brilliant ideas. So now there's a website, officeofodd.com. There's a documentary, a little film about it that, I, again, got, got the film made, <laughs> which is important now. And now I'm just testing it out really on Instagram, just putting some ideas out there. And, and people are giving their thoughts on the comments, which is just nice. It's a nice, it's an interesting project. Yeah. And how, how, do, you, um, how do you find the time to, to create that space in your sort of daily life? When I imagine all these things have got blogs that need updating and mm. comments that need uh, yeah. to into. And mm. how do you... Do you um, do you set aside time to mm. just give yourself space yeah. to work on things? I definitely need to be more disciplined on that. It's a problem. And, of course, with this Lost and Found, it's another Instagram. I decide to set it up as a, at its individual. It's obviously got a website, but as another social media platform. Therefore, I've got to check that. <laughs> you know, it's just another thing. But I just thought, mm, it's worth it. I will do that. Um, so yeah, it is a challenge. You've got to be very self-disciplined now to divide it up. And I find that challenging because my mind is jumping from different things. So when you ask me a question, I'll probably jump onto another thing, <laughs> but I'll try to come back to whatever you said. <laughs> yeah. We're, very good at that. <laughs> we're nearly at the end of our hour. Okay. Uh, it's, it's been wonderful to chat to you about all this. My, my, uh, my eldest son, Blue, um, both my sons submitted um, uh, their own inventions, and it was lovely. Oh, good! How you re- give a little response, don't you, to, 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 to each invention? Yes. Uh, um, but Blue, I, I wanted to give the last question to my son um, for you, and it's maybe the hardest question. <laughs> but he wanted to know of all the inventions you've been involved with and that you've, you've seen on the Little Inventors site as well. Do you have a favourite? <laughs> yeah. Um, a favourite I have favourites for different reasons but I'll pick I'll pick one <laughs> yeah. uh, I made some uh, what I really liked was the watch sculptures I don't know whether you saw them I did see them mm. yes there, there, there was a sort of um, unbidden office handshake one that was it yeah unrequited handshake unrequited handshake <laughs> yeah and that was um, that came out of the speed creating project which was me basically forcing myself to be creative because I got into a mental rut, make a creative thing every day for 30 days. And I remember I was in a model shop and I thought, I wonder what would happen if I put, an ob- put a little bit of an object on the hands of a watch. Would it still work? So I bought a three-pound watch, put a little bit of clay on, and it worked. And I thought, I'm going to keep that for later because I think that's a good idea. There's something in that. So then seven months later, I, <clears throat> yeah, started to put little people, little tiny models of people in particular positions doing particular things, one on the second hand and one on the minute hand. So the person on the second hand is going around the one on the minute hand, or the object or the thing. And so you could create little stories, which I call moments in time. And um, yeah, and a little dome on top. So they were, they were like a combination of you know, what I did as a child, which was the painting of the, the aeroplanes. Yeah. And 
but also connecting with stories and create the creative ideas of the objects and a bit of the magic of seeing <laughs> things powered and animated by a, a simple watch. Yes. Yeah. So it, so for me that brought everything together in the, in an object. I use mechanical watches, not battery powered, because batteries it's not as strong the mechanism. Okay. Okay. Uh, so you got to wind them up, and uh, obviously you got to get the domes made and get I them to fit onto that, the. Yeah, that, that must be quite. That must yeah, be yeah. Well, there are, you know, as I've, I've worked in uh, Sunderland Glass National Glass Centre, and there's a person um, Norman who made some lovely little domes that have to be very precise to fit on the ridge. You know, yes. that where you take the glass off. Yes. That's just like a half a millimetre thing, and you've got to blow the um, the dome. Yeah, so very precise and delicate but telling a bigger story or yeah I, I really like them lovely well um, it's been brilliant to talk to you Dominic I, as I say I, I, I think you, your work's great and, uh, and the Little Inventors project for the people who um, haven't checked it out they should they should take a look at it because um, yeah. it's, a, it's a wonderful thing um, so yeah thanks very much no problem thank you I've enjoyed it so there we are Dominic Wilcox, what an extraordinary human being. I hope the technical troubles didn't get in the way of your enjoyment. If you did enjoy this episode, then please do subscribe and leave a review. It makes a really big difference. Next time we'll be with architect and artist Adam Nathaniel Furman. But for now, goodbye. <laughs>